Good evening, everybody. Uh, some of you who have uh, put it on record for the convention have tuned in live. We still are getting a number of uh, live viewers, but the numbers have dropped because of the convention, I think. So. Yeah, there's more important things happening. Yeah, more important things happening. Now, <laughs> now tomorrow night, we, we realize we probably won't have anyone tuning in at this time because the president's going to speak. So we're going to move tomorrow night's broadcast uh, to 8 p.m. It's the first time we're going to move it to 8, and then we're going to go right back to 7 after that because it's the last night of the convention. Uh, I think everybody is going to want to tune in. So we'll be on tomorrow night at 8. We'll post that and let everybody know. Um, but tonight, a really special guest, and uh, the, the guest we're about to have on has been, I've known him longer than I've known my wife, Michelle, a childhood friend. We grew up together uh, in my hometown in Coronado. He knows things about me that I hope he doesn't talk about tonight, <laughs> and um, he's just precious. I, I want to tell you the significance, because he was uh, probably one of the first people I'd ever talked with about the Lord. The two of us ended up in a Bible study that was hosted by our high school English teacher. And uh, that was the first time I, was, I ever opened the Bible and, and studied it. And that was with my friend. And uh, through the years, our paths paralleled and connected. And we had a chance to serve together for a period of time. He ended up in Fresno where he's been doing biblical counseling. He's written over 10 books. Uh, and I, his newest book came out. And it was so timely and he's a great writer. He's a, he's a tremendous counselor, a great writer, and, and a, a, a supreme friend. Uh, but I want to show you his latest book because the timeliness of it, especially in Christendom, as people seem to think that somehow socialism is what Christ would espouse or what the scriptures declare. And we're hearing it from the pulpits across America, and it's a, it's a travesty. Uh, but my friend has written a book. My friend's name's Mark Baker. I want to show you a cover of the book. Uh, was Jesus a socialist? And, and the idea, the question being asked um, is, is covered in this book. Many self-proclaimed Christ followers uh, confidently claim that Jesus Christ himself was the first socialist. In addition, they assert if the son of God was a socialist, then the original disciples of Jesus also practiced and taught socialism. Therefore, if uh, we would be true followers of Christ. Today, we must get on board with the Marxist mindset, a world-altering al uh, potential of this claim, if it's true or if it's false, is far greater than most people realize. And, and I, I won't read more of that because I, I want him to kind of go into greater detail. But we're really at that precip where we're watching Christianity embrace socialism. We're watching the nation in a battle for the soul of the nation we're watching two conventions, one removing God from the Pledge of Allegiance. The other, I, I, almost every speaker last night said, God bless America. And they opened in prayer and they, uh, it, 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 it almost seemed like a church service to me. I, it, it seems as though the convention itself is, is more committed to the principles of Christ than churches in America are. Uh, that, that's, churches in America are closed. The, the convention itself is lifting up the name of the Lord and with no exception, uh, declaring Jesus Christ, which is, I, I just haven't seen it in the 56 years I've been on this earth. It is a very interesting time to be alive. And now my childhood friend, it, circling back, having written this book, it's the Lord, just yeah. how God orchestrates these things. And, um, and so I, I, I can't wait for you to meet him. 
His name is Mark Baker. He's married to Emily. They've got four kids, two boys, two girls. Uh, we both went to Coronado High School together. We grew up uh, in the elementary school, Central Elementary, went to Coronado Junior High. Uh, seriously, he knew me before I knew the Lord. He knows, uh, he knows all the stories. And he, I said, you can come on the show as long as you uh, swear that you'll never. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're actually going to talk about a few of them tonight. But would you welcome my friend uh, for a long time, Mark Baker. Hey, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm just a little nervous that you're going to share stuff that, <laughs> you know, I don't know. There must be a lot of skeletons. <laughs> actually, I, I, I'm just going I'm, I'm to throw it out there. Uh, you, you... You were a comp- uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were an accomplice uh, with me when I uh, got arrested. <laughs> Which <Maybe>. time? <laughs> Maybe not. I, I cannot confirm or deny that. Well, uh, ab- yeah, absolutely. And I, I take credit for helping you prepare for being on the wrong side of the law for the past few weeks. Yeah. So right. I get some credit there. That hurts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it. Uh, we we grew up together. There was uh, you and Jess and uh, Bruce and Paul Turner and uh, played baseball together and Pop Warner, all that stuff. We we grew up doing all that, and neither of us really knew the Lord. I mean, was it was I I don't even recall. But you you were single parent mom. I'm single parent family, and. Uh, I don't remember your mom talking about the Lord when we'd visit the house. It just didn't seem commonplace. And you didn't see that when you came over to my house. It, we didn't grow up in Christian homes, per se, that I recall. Right, right. And, you know, my mom, for about three years, when I was six, seven, eight, took us to a church, you know, a fine church. It's not a church I go to today, but actually I did hear the gospel back then. And, and actually I remember hearing it, going forward, praying, all of that sin, forgiveness, Jesus on the cross. So I heard that, but then my mom stopped going. She went, got married to this guy, whatever. We stopped going. And so I stopped, didn't think about God much, if at all. And then um, that kind of coincided with our friendship. Hmm. I wonder about, no, just kidding. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we got into a lot of trouble junior high, high school. And it was out of just out of high schools when God got a hold of me and I went in that direction, but yeah, not a lot of that. And my mom kind of went back somewhat, but you know, another interesting praise God thing is that all four of us kids were just a total broken home, a lot of stuff, but all four of us are strong believers today, Mm -hmm. my brother and two sisters and, and not kind of quasi or kind of, no, they're all strongly dedicated to the Lord. Yeah. I I remember Floyd, just, you know, your older brother, just, he, he loves the Lord and staying connected. He would always inquire as to my walk with the Lord. And, but the first time I remember being exposed to the, to the scriptures, to the Bible being open was at uh, our English teacher, Robin Adair at Coronado high school had a Bible study in his home um, in the evenings. And that's where right. you and I, I, we connected. And it was my senior year, your junior year, maybe. Yeah. And I remember, well, it was kind of between my junior and senior year yeah. and went there and went a few times and felt really awkward because I didn't know anything. Yeah, me neither. I didn't know who David was or Moses. And even though I, you know, way back in the day, but yeah. And went a few times and I think you went off to school and I went a few more times, but yeah, that was... And then really need of him to just open up his home and open that up for for all us kids. And I remember thinking as my life progressed and I, 
I got grounded in the scriptures, got discipled, stepped into ministry. I went back to go find Robin Adair uh, and some of the kids that were in that Bible study and to find that Robin had kind of gone left uh, and really went out there and kind of abandoned his faith as, a, as an English teacher, uh, kind of, it was odd. And his funeral, when he passed away, it wasn't the most Christian thing I'd experienced. And then some of the kids just kind of fell away. And yet, I, you and I connected, and you were the first one to kind of introduce me to conservative principles. I mean, my parents were conservative. Uh, my, my mom and dad, you know, very politically active. But just to... Here we were working together in ministry, and you enlightened me to uh, biblical principles and conservative ideas that the two of them come together. You were the first to do that. And here I am, you know, having been elected to office and serving as a minister. Um, it's been an interesting journey, Mark, and I, I just I want to tell everybody thank you for what you, you did for me. Well, obviously 100% of the Lord, but how he directs us and back and forth and all that, uh, amazing how he works, just the grace of God. Amen. Yeah. Well, uh, now you've, you've written over 10 books, if we include pamphlets and everything, and you're a prolific writer. And I remember when uh, you were with Michelle and I for a season, and I just remember you were always, you know, researching and typing and studying. You're an autodidactic in a sense. You're, you're self-taught, although you did go to Cal Baptist, but all the stuff you know now is stuff that you've incorporated just in your reading. And you are what is, what is called a biblical counselor. And, uh, uh, David, you asked a question early on. Yeah. What's the difference between a Christian counselor, biblical counselor? Yeah, I, you know, everybody's searching for the answers and they'll go to a, what, a Christian that's a counselor. And I had asked you, what's the difference between a Christian counselor and a biblical counselor? I think it's kind of important for people to know the difference. So if you can explain that answer again, I think that would help people as they search for answers going forward with the struggles that they're having in their lives. Yeah, you know, and I would say it, it, all counsel depends on the, the type of counsel. You know, counsel, we all give and receive counsel, believe it or not. You know, it's a normal part of life. And But these set-apart people, maybe myself included, that we're called counselors, we have a source of our ideology. And so I, I say that every counselor, any counselor is only as good as the source of their ideology, their counsel. Mm -hmm. And so what sets a biblical counselor apart is not just that they're Christian, but the Bible, they're, they're sort of, and so by definition, and maybe not all biblical counselors would claim this, but that God's word is sufficient. Amen. That God gave us this word, and it has all these truths, these powers to overcome these challenges in life and so forth. And, and so I, as a biblical counselor, have studied that for years. And that was one of the first things I read when I, in college, somebody gave me this book and it said, you know, that God's word is sufficient. And from that moment on, again, the grace of God that I've been pursuing and living as if God's word is sufficient, and it is. And so be able to research that and find those things in scripture that apply to addictions, anxiety, depression, and help people overcome that. So ultimately, yes, the source is scripture, God's word. It's not theory. It's not what I think. It's not what other people think or what people want. It's not Freud, Adler, Maslow, all those people. It's purely God's word. And people go to other counselors all the time. They're wonderful, caring people. If they want God's word and apply that, then yes, biblical counseling is the way you want to go. That's the distinction. Now, you, you see 20, 30 clients uh, a week, and, and your, your schedule is pretty full. 
and, and your ministry, this is full time for you. And what's fascinating to me is much like a church, you don't charge. You don't charge $300 an hour, $200 an hour, $1,000 an hour. <laughs> you, you, you do it strictly if someone seeks to donate, but God's word is um, free, just like salvation is. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that Emily and I decided on early on was that we're not going to charge. And some biblical counselors do, some don't, but we're like, this is the word of God. And I don't, I don't want to turn anyone away as well. If people come and I, I, they don't have $2, they don't have anything is I've never asked. I've never asked, Hey, what does so-and-so give? I just, we want to help people. And again, with God's word, it is just like a church. And we, our heart is to come alongside the church and help the church in whatever way we can. That's why I guess we're a parachurch ministry, but we want to just help people and equip. We're not just counseling people, solving problems. We want to equip them, teach them. And that's what one of the mandates for the church is to equip the saints. And that's what we're about. And I notice in the back behind you, uh, you got some of Emily's work. She she puts scriptures in artistic format and and she paints these and creates them. And that's kind of a supplement to your income. I mean, you've raised four kids by faith. Uh, and, and they're all doing great. Um, it, it, and that's how you guys kind of balance life or? Well, yeah. And so, you know, early on, it was, it, it's been challenging. I'll just say that. And Emily, she is just, she's so amazing. She's been technically on staff for, I don't know, 15, 20 years and never received a dime. She does so much work. You have no idea. Uh, but in addition, you know, we're not making it. And she, she just decided, okay, I'm going to start this business. And with her art, but also the business, the hard work, all that kind of stuff. So yes, she has her art. That's what's, I'm actually in her office. This is not mine. Um, <laughs> I'm stealing her time here, uh, but she has a better computer than I do. So that's why I'm sitting here. But yes, she has all this. She made all this. She puts that out. She does uh, a blog and all that kind of stuff to help supplement. She's helped our family. There's no way we would have made it if she hadn't done all that she does. And she does so much more than me and, and that's no exaggeration. I, I remember when you guys were in San Jose with us and it, it was, you know, she was the same way. Everyone loved her. She was so uniquely gifted. And um, how, how do people access her artwork? What, what's the best way to go about that? Well, she has uh, uh, her own website, hopeinc.com. And so, you know, we're all about Hope Inc., Hope for Life, Hope Inc. Her middle name's Hope. Our daughter's name's Hope. Middle name, Hope. Um, so, uh, yes, we want to provide hope. So hope Inc. Inc.com. Okay. And she has a, a bunch of, she makes things every year, a calendar every year, all of that kind of stuff for people. And it's all scripture. It's a few times like she did the, uh, amazing grace or something like that. Yeah. Now I, I, we'll get to that stuff. I just, I, I wanted to point that out because Emily's been instrumental in this ministry and I, I didn't want to, you know, have you just be primary, knowing that the, the two of you together have been used mightily, not only in, in the San Joaquin Valley, but around the world, because people connect for the counseling with you via Skype and Zoom. And I mean, that, that world's opened up. So you, you have a ter- tremendous number of clients that, that tune in in relation to being on the internet. So it's all over the country. Yeah, absolutely. The country, the East Coast, uh, Michigan, wherever, New Zealand, 
Africa, yeah, uh, uh, India, you name it. Yeah. All right. Now, I, I, we'll, we'll get more to that later because I want people to connect with you because you are a great blessing. Uh, and and if, if anyone questions that, I just I want them to know that my life has been blessed having him as a brother and a friend. And this, this has been maintained. And here we are tonight. And you're going you're gonna to be blessed to realize what I've known for 56 years of my life. Uh, he's uniquely gifted of the Lord to take complex ideas and make them simple and understandable. But more than that, to relate them and point out in God's word the truth as opposed to the lie really gifted in this capacity. And it's, it almost seems simplistic, but it, you really have to look at the deception of the lie because um, evil is, is tenacious and, and, and in, in absolute subtlety. And, and I, I think no better topic to reveal that than this idea of socialism in America. And, and you wrote the book, put it back up. If you would, Jesus was a socialist. Uh, the, 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 well, I don't know if they're back there doing it, but the life or death truth, everyone needs to know about Jesus, uh, and socialism. And so Mark, uh, tell me about the book. Tell everybody about the book. Why did you write it and, and give some insights? Cause if we were talking earlier today, I was so blessed. Well, yeah. And you know, the, the subtitle it's literally is the life or death truth. I mean, this is not Democrat and Republican. This is not little things here, there lives are at stake. Souls are at stake. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, uh, part of this James 5, uh, 5, 19 and 20, and quickly paraphrase a little bit, but anyone who turns a, a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover over a multitude of sins. That's what the church needs to be doing, turning people from the air of their ways. This is the colossal uh, error, if you will. Someone, there's a quote in there, someone, I'm quoting someone else, but they said that Marxism, socialism is the greatest catastrophe in history. Yep. It's not just this is a bad thing, a really, really bad thing. Lives are at stake. And I was pleasantly surprised to hear in a lot of the speeches that you mentioned, like in the Republican convention, that people mentioned the word socialism, because that's where we're going. This is the trajectory we are on as a society is socialism. And even that dear man from Cuba, Cuba. yeah, that mentioned, uh, and uh, my wife was crying when, when he was talking and just, you know, he's much more polite than you or me, but he's saying, you know, we would say, are you kidding me? Socialism again? And every time, and part of, there's a chapter in the back that says, you know, the scorecard of socialism. And you could read that and it just, every time it's tried, it's failed. Every time. It's the worst possible scenario in every category. And yet people want to go back to it. It's crazy. I, I, I don't get it. So, and you know, it's one thing that some atheist, whatever, some other non-Christian wants to, but now we're talking about Christians. Yep. Christians and, are embracing it. And, and, they, and they've done it under the disguise of democratic socialism. And I, I used a meme that I got off of Instagram where it shows, uh, you know, a, a pile of dog dew and it says socialism. And then below it says Democrat socialism. And it's the same pile of dog dew with sprinkles on it. it it's <laughs> it's it, it, somehow they've they've repackaged it and it's infiltrated the church and it's being it, it's being declared from pulpits across America. Dispel for for the viewers, how nefarious this is, how it is so contradictory to scripture, what, all the things you laid out in your book. You don't have to go through the whole book, but just, just give them some sure. nuggets. Yeah, Sure. And, and so we can talk about that, but also like you were saying, stating or alluding to the, the deception that goes into it. 
that, you know, if someone just says this is there's never been a socialist conversion that somebody explained actual socialism. Because <laughs> you would just turn it and go, oh, wait, no, forget it. So they have to package it, repackage it in different ways. And, and yes, put democratic socialism before that. And I'm not a socialist, I'm a Democrat. Or I'm a socialist with a small S, not a big S. And, and so my reply to that, it's like saying, oh, well, this is just poison with a small P. <laughs> Good <laughs> well, word. What yeah. difference does it make, right? And yeah. so, and uh, you know, back to deception and it's talked about Satan or the serpent in the garden where it was, he was more, at least in the King James, he was more subtle than all the other creatures. That's how people are duped. Wonderful, fine Christians are duped by subtle little things. And in second Corinthians two eleven, it says, it says that uh, for, um, in order that Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes. We need to be aware of these things. As a friend of mine, Warren said, he said, it's like playing football you're going against the team next week and they and you say they tell you be careful they have a lot of trick plays and then they don't tell you what trick plays we know the trick plays and we want to warn people about it yes we want to tell them the truth but we want to warn them about the the the, the tricks the deceit all of those things as well but when it comes to socialism and i think you alluded to at least before we were talking i lay side by side this is what christianity is this is what socialism social christianity is 100 voluntary Socialism, what the people realize, is 100% involuntary. It's forced. You yep. don't have an option. You can't opt out other than going to prison or being killed. It takes, it, it's all about control. It takes everything that everyone owns and for the, the society or the government, however you want to parse those words, they own and control everything. And we just go and work and we, we get nothing. It all goes to the government and they decide where it goes and all that kind of stuff. But, but here's the thing, the history of socialism, Marxism, every time it's tried, every country has been absolutely opposed to Christianity and Judaism and other religions as well, as well. And so there's a saying that first they come for the Saturday people, then they come for the Sunday people. That's what happens when within these Marxist-controlled countries, right. because they are all about power and control and Christianity, and I know you have uh, said this many times from the pulpit and other things, it's all about liberty, freedom. They're diametrically opposed. They cannot be any more opposed to each other. And I lay that out in the book in many different ways and maybe in a lot of ways overkill or piling on. But I, I just kept going. I said, somebody's going to go, yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about that? No, they are polar opposites. They're in the, the antithesis of each other. One is completely focused on temporary and rejects the eternal Christianity Acknowledges the temporary, it's important, but eternal is infinitely more important. Amen. On and on and on. We could go on and on about all yeah. that. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, hey, Mark, I was wondering, how would, it, how would socialism creep into a church? What's that, what's that trick play that starts to deceive the pastors, that starts to deceive the congregate? What methodology would it creep into? Like, hey, we're, we're helping people out. What, what methodologies? How does it get there? Right. Well, that's a great question and a few things, and I'll try to remember, but, but one is, a, is social justice, and you hear that all the time in the news and everything, and you see that on sports, and I don't know if I can watch sports anymore, by the way. Yeah. I don't watch ESPN in months. And I know, uh, and I, become, and I, know, I know you. You love sports. We grew up with that. That's absolutely. killing us. We're Charger yeah. fans, that's Padre a, that's fans. That's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. And so sports has been taken over. Uh, entertainment, whatever you can't, I can't just turn on the TV. I have to watch a commercial or a TV show that has something about this. And, and we're all for justice. 
and for justice in society, that's not the problem. But what they mean by that is it's a euphemism in a lot of ways for social socialism or communism or redistribution of wealth. And that's what economic justice is. They, they put justice or rights by something. And by the way, there's a in a section in there, I talk about linguistic engineering. That's another one of those trick plays where they change the wording to make it some sound like it's a lot better than it is. So, for example, um, you know, reproductive rights, reproductive justice. Well, I'm for that. Yeah, reproductive rights. Who's not for that? But what they mean is being able to kill babies. And that's, you know, horribly blunt. But that's what they're saying. They just rephrase it. And oh, OK, so social justice. But here's another one. Social gospel or the social gospel. And it's what well, we just want to make society a better place. OK, I do, too. But but what they mean is more of socialism. And we need to go through the government, not through the church, not volitionary. But everybody needs to work for the government. The government will decide what's best and, and so forth. Another one is critical theory or critical race theory. And we have another book that we did a little. It's a shorter one on making sense of the madness. And I explain a lot of these more overtly in that. But uh Socialism, excuse me, critical theory or critical race theory that's now was, by the way, somewhat adopted, at least in the Southern Baptist Convention, which yep. is the biggest convention in the whole world. Tragic. Uh, Christian convention. Um, it basically pits people into two categories. The, you're the oppressed or the oppressor based on your things that you can't really necessarily control, your gender, Immutable. your ethnicity, yeah. uh, those kinds of things. You're uh, So now it, that's divide and conquer now we're opposed to each other and oh wait you're in the oppressed group and so now we have by the way we have the right to come and take that that's why people riding on the streets they think they have the right to come and take what because you owe it to them why because of critical theory which is it's a fascinating thing it comes through uh marxism marxists realized that they couldn't win over people through revolutions because people kind of it just kind of pittered out and it, people weren't down for that so they tried the more subtle approach which is cultural marxism teaching these things in our schools, in churches, yeah. and through another thing called liberation theology. That's another thing uh, that's very close to that. So all of these things are creeping into the church, and that's what Barack Obama's pastor taught, liberation theology, and he was down for that. And, but there's a lot of, we could say, former conservative churches that have bought into social justice, and they don't even know what, they're, they're well-intended, wonderful people, but they're, they're now teaching this, and if there's a incrementalism where they shift more and more until now they have the social gospel, not the gospel. Let me, let me real quick, the flagship church, Chuck Smith's church, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa on their website, embracing black lives matter and social justice. If, If that doesn't wake people up, I mean, this is, this is verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book teaching an, 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 you know, a, a systematic study of the scriptures. Chuck taught through the Bible countless times from cover to cover. And now the church, after he's left and gone to be with the Lord, it, it how many years has it been since Chuck died? Handful? And, and right. this is where they are. It didn't take a nanosecond. And Sorry. to quote or paraphrase uh, Ronald Reagan, we talked about him earlier, but... Uh, and my wife says this a lot. It's losing free. I, I'm going to brutalize it, but losing freedom is only one generation away. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's what's happened. Like what you mentioned the, the flagship and, uh, but black lives matter, you know, it's one of those things. It's also linguistic engineering and maybe with some exceptions somewhere, people, everybody agrees that yes, black lives matter, 
but the group, the entity, the ideology behind it, they even admit we're Marxist and we're against the family, we're against the traditional marriage, we're against this. That's where that's what Black Lives Matter, and I, I've noticed their, their popularity has decreased, but people are just pouring money into it. So one horrible thing happens now, they use that, they leverage that, and now all this money goes into that, which by the way, and it's not conspiratorial, a lot of that money goes to the Democratic Party we, to, we know. for elections and yeah. so forth. That's how this operates, but you have well-intended people that, uh, solid Christians, they could articulate the gospel, but they are also promoting Marxism, wittingly or not. How, how do you, if you're going to talk to somebody that's of that mindset, what methodologies do you use to, to counteract that, that, that worldview of Christian Marxism? Well, I've, I've heard of a good book that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kidding somewhat, but we yeah. do need to prepare ourselves to be able to walk that through and say, you know, what do you believe, what do you think Marxism is? And it's like, well, you know, all things in common. You know, the, the, the disciples had all things in common. Okay, well, let's, let's look at the scriptures. And, and even we could say, how did that turn out for them? Let's look at Acts chapter 5 and what happened there. And it said, you know, they had it at their disposal to do whatever they wanted. And then they lied to God, the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened. And, and that didn't last long. And it was also temporary. It wasn't the government. It was in spite of the government, all of that. So walking people through these principles. And in that one of those early chapters, I lay out... Um, if I can find it, uh, just side by side, what Marxism is, the early church, you know, starting on page 26, just laying it side by side, um, all of these things here that people can, without a doubt, it's an open and shut case. You're like, oh, okay, we don't need to talk anymore. Right. But equip yourselves. That's what we're equipping ministry. People say, well, you're a counseling. What are you doing about social? No, no, we're, we're a Bible-based ministry. We want people to know the word. The gospel, Jesus, obviously, but also to protect them, equip them uh, against deception. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Go for it. You know, I was born in 1993, a millennial, and my generation is is classically lazy and classically uh, willing to sacrifice freedom and liberty for security and comfort. And I, I, I see kind of this this idea as like you're saying how how do you how do you combat that or, or how does that sneak in and we see like all things in common like you were saying Mark how that it seems like such a noble thing and really what what millennials and just in my experience what we we see it and we go yeah all things in common and and that that need that's in the the populace that need for compassion is, is such a hard thing to do as a Christian, and it takes getting knee-deep, elbows-deep in other people's lives and other people's issues. So what, what, what I do and, and what I know I've done, and I know people who, who have done this, is they go, that's really hard. So how awesome would it be if someone else could just take care of that for me? And that's that, that push of taking a biblical idea that really should be my responsibility for my brother and pushing that onto the government and saying, hey, look, wouldn't it be awesome if the government could just do that for everyone in every aspect of life? And I, I see that kind of as the, the millennials' view of what, what it means to have all things common. And, hey, yeah, have all things common in, in, in context. And even like you said, not taking it, 
not taking it out of context, but really diving in and saying, like, I love that. How did that work out for them? Um, and then it, it's just so easy to, to go, that's an awesome concept. I would, I would love for someone to do that for me and just take kind of the backseat role yeah. in it. Yeah. 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 And, you know, millennials take a beating and, you know, I don't want to generalize them and, you know, all, no, it's a human nature totally. issue too, but yeah, maybe, absolutely. and, you know, it's somewhat ironically our generation that taught yeah. millennials to think that way. And, right. and I would say a lot of people are being taught what to think, not how to think. Yeah. And that rises to the top of the list of why people are following. They're not thinking for themselves. They say, well, this is the compassionate thing to do. And if you're a compassionate person, you right. will be, you'll buy into socialism, Marxism, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Yeah. And if not, you're a horrible person and we will destroy you literally. Right. And that's what, in the other book, I, I have something I call the totalitarian echo chamber where you are required, you are forced to think, believe, act a certain way or else we will destroy you literally in many different ways. We'll dox you, censor you, cancel you, kill you, whatever it takes. And that's what happens in all, that's the history of all socialist societies. There's gonna be people that resist and how are those people treated? They're all eliminated. Yeah. But the, the millennials are not taught to think this all the way through and as right. well as my generation, whatever generation. And so you have people that are not discerning. And I have somewhere in there this, uh, this equation, it's, it's compassion minus discernment. Mm. That's what our problem is. There's a lot of people that are, they just think, I care so much, my job is done. Yeah. And I'll even go do something, I'll, I'll work, I'll serve. but they're not discerning. Yeah. Is this actually helpful or not? Right. Mm -hmm. and and it, so we have this, we've, la we've lost discernment. Yeah. People aren't discerning, thinking from, and separating truth from error, not just taking it, oh, okay, this must be a wonderful thing, rather than, okay, you know, there's some good things about this, and there's some good things about this, but this is really bad, and overall, it's, people, that's another lazy thing. Yep. That, I just want to be told what to do and right. I, I, because I care right. and I'm a good yeah. person. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't and work that way. The, yeah. the absence of, of critical thinking and, and just being spoon fed information, it, it's huge. And, and being, being taught how to think, not just taught what to think. And in the, yeah. like Black Lives Matter specifically, I think this is, this is huge because I know so many millennials who I've, I've had conversations with and just in the explanation of, Hey, do you, do you know what, when you donate to this organization, do you know what that money goes towards? I'm like, no, I don't care. I just know that Black Lives Matter, so I donate, or so I support, or so I, 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 I post a black square on Instagram, or, or whatever it may be. And critical thinking in this is, is huge, and that's why we see one, one of those things in socialism, in, in Marxism, is, is removing that, removing the literature, removing the, the ability to think from the populace, because we know that a, a critically thinking generation is a generation that goes, that's, that's not right. You know, I, I would add on to it. Mike has done a lot of great episodes about, around this kind of this subject already. But if you start to use critical thinking and you start to use some logic and knowledge and truth, then they say you must not be compassionate enough because you're making or you don't understand. Right. And it's such a frustrating uh, cycle because you're trying to speak truth and they go, You've seen it, right? You're, yeah. you're, you don't know the truth. You you're not compassionate enough. Or you, since you're white, you must not understand my right. plight. Or if you're, if you're black, you're, you, you're, you know, you're just on the wrong side. And it ends up being such a circular, frustrating thing to speak truth into the conversation. I, got, I, I, found, I found what you were referring to, Mark. 
Uh, If you desire to help the poor, and this is from your book, if you desire to help the poor, the underserved, the least of these, then you must wholeheartedly fight against the progressive and socialist ideals that have increasingly oppressed and destroyed these very same people through things like government dependency, removal of motivation, and the fostering of victimology. While those who tout the Marxist approach often use the words compassion and love, all of this falls under the category of counterfeit love. This deceitful and destructive love comes in many forms and has one or more of these deadly characteristics, and this is what you alluded to. Good intentions plus bad ideology. Compassion minus discernment. Christ follower plus world-approved theology. Zeal plus error. Passion minus objectivity. Great concern plus man's wisdom. And utopian promise minus reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and by the way, our next book is going to be Sin, Love, and Counterfeit Love. It's a big thing on counterfeit love where you know, not, we're, we're not talking about sin anymore. And even 50 years ago or so, uh, Carl Manager wrote a book called Whatever Became a Sin. 50 years ago. <laughs> How bad is it now? Yeah. But, yeah. but even to, back to that point, you know, I know I think you were teaching through uh, Acts 9 and so forth. And, and I, I, there's a thing I call people are injustice warriors, not justice warriors, injustice warriors. Mm-hmm. That was, that's what pre-Paul Saul was. He was zealous. He thought he was zealous for God. He was compassionate. He was pouring everything, but he was in error. So he was doing the exact opposite of actually what he wanted to do. He was, he was, a, he was attacking God's people, killing them, all imprisoning them, doing whatever he could. But this one thing, he was wrong. But that's what we have. We have so many injustices. They're zealous, they're compassionate, but they're in error. We could correct that if we had discernment, if we had them pointed back to the truth of God's word, rather than man's wisdom, rather than fine sounding theology, or excuse me, theories and so forth. But we're not doing that. Even in the church, the church is willful. And there's wonderful churches, don't get me wrong, obviously, but the church is collective overall, doing a poor job. And they have been, they are seeking more the world approved theology. If you can walk into some leftist organization and they approve your theology, wow, you've got some serious problems. Mm-hmm. Scripture says that God thinks of the world's wisdom as foolishness. The world thinks of God's ways as foolishness. Yeah. But so if we're approved by the world, what are we? Right. I, yeah. I saw uh, a, a clip today done by a woman who was addressing uh, Calvary Costa Mesa, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, and what was posted on their website and the 15 pastors that have signed on to this declaration. And, and, and I, I looked at that and my heart was grieved because he, they're well-intentioned, but her comment was, you're, you're embracing this, this socialist organization, Black Lives Matter, you're embracing social justice because it's in vogue and it's popular. But where were you for the unborn? Where have you been for, you know, the sex trafficking and child trafficking? And <clears throat> even with Black Lives Matter, when you address this with anyone who says that they believe Black Lives Matter, the question is, four four and a half percent, of, or actually three percent of the population, no, four percent of the population, black females of childbearing years, four percent of the population of America is responsible for over 40% of the abortions. 
it is, it's a holocaust on the black community. And, and as they said last night in the convention, this woman who worked for Planned Parenthood, these abortion clinics are in the inner cities to wipe them out. And they embrace Margaret Sanger, who was a eugenicist who wanted to get rid of what she called the inferior races. And, and this is, Planned Parenthood and Black Lives Matter are together. They work together. And, and there's a holocaust on the black community. And no church is declaring that because it's not popular. Right. And so that's a problem of popularity that, you know, they'll lose numbers or whatever. And of course, there are some churches and your church and some other churches that are speaking up in big, small ways, what have you, but not nearly enough. And it does need to be the body of Christ. And we need to be separate from whatever is popular. We need to stand out. That's how we, and then people go, oh, wow, you're different. Rather than, no, we acquiesce and we blend in with the church and what, we're, we're cool. We're just like them. We accept everybody. Rather than, no, we have standards and we can't violate them. We can't compromise on these standards. But more and more churches are going that way. And, you know, I think a lot of them, by the way, and businesses and whatever, they see the writing all. If we don't endorse Black Lives Matter, they're going to come literally or figuratively and destroy us. Right. And so we have a decision to make. Yeah. Rather yeah. than, or we can make a stand. Yeah. Do you know, the, uh, I would say during the last 145 since we've been working on this, one of the biggest things that we've had to work on as we look at numbers, we look at the, the whole situation is discernment, is using critical knowledge to discern our path forward. What's your thoughts? On, I know it's a simple word, but what's your thoughts on discernment and what tools do you help people in determining discernment when you're helping people out in your practice? Well, um, technically it's not a practice with ministry. Right. It's one of those right. distinctions, but yeah, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, discernment, we need to, we're, we're separating. That's one of the words in the Greek is diacrino. We're judging between, that's what a diagnosis. You're judging between certain things, right, wrong, good, bad. And our lives depend on discernment. If you, if you're driving your car and you don't discern, you're going to kill someone or kill yourself or what, Everything depends on discernment, if you think about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a verse, uh, Hebrews 5, 14, but the couple of verses talking about you, you haven't matured basically because you have to, you're stuck with milk and elementary things because you haven't been practicing discernment. In verse 14, he says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Hmm. By the way, do you know what Solomon prayed for? You know, when he was told, whatever you want, pray, ask for this, and I'll give it to you. And, and depending on your translation, and people say, you know, wisdom, and yeah, but it says an understanding mind. But then he also says, and another translation says discerning mind, but then it says to discern between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's what he prayed for so that he could rule, he could uh, rule these people that he was given charge over. Our lives depend on so we need to, you know, Acts 17.11, the Bereans were a more noble character. By the way, they were praised compared to the Thessalonians. Because they eagerly examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They're not like, wow, Paul's here. I trust this guy. They trusted the word. A lot of them weren't even, they weren't believers in God. They were believers in God's word yet. They didn't know Jesus and they came to salvation. But to constantly hear and separate, distinguish, and that's hard work. And back to what Mike was saying, it's like, yeah, just tell me. I just want to know. And, oh, I'm a wonderful person. My best life now. Yeah. Okay. I'll go to that church rather than. You know, I need to be uncomfortable in church when I get convicted. Yep. I'm, I'm supposed to not feel good at times. God designed me that way. 
But we're often saying, I, whatever I can do to make you not feel bad. And yes, on certain things, but ultimately bad feelings. That's what led me to the Lord, obviously the Holy Spirit. But I was convicted. Mm -hmm. I was broken. That's what led me to God, not I was happy. Yep. So but back to that point, it's great you know, discernment. We have a book or two on discernment because we want people to think for themselves, but according to an objective standard, Yeah. not just according to my feelings. Yeah, not right. subjective, but objective. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, no, I, I was just saying objective, not subjective. Yeah. Right. And anyway. I was telling Rob earlier, real quick, Mike, uh, yeah. that we have one group over here that's mainly depended upon and directed by what's subjective, feelings, experiences, mysticism, and man's wisdom. Over here, this is explains the divide, I think. Over here, you have people that are more objective in how they look at things as well as dependent upon what is objective, the written word of God or other, the written constitution that it's not a living, breathing document that we can just tweak and whatever. It's it's fixed with, you know, some admins. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just saying, as you're explaining all these things, it's, it's really easy. And this is the way that the enemy works in subtlety. In my head, I'm applying a, a lot of the things you're saying to like Black Lives Matter and social justice. And I think we would, we would be remiss to not also go, wait a second, like right now in this scamdemic, this is the, it's the same thing. It's just, a, it's just a little bit more subtle, a little bit more under the radar where the, the government's coming in and telling you, think this way, do this, this is what's right. And we just go like, look, that seems like a lot of information and I just believe you, sure, I'll close my church. I just believe you, sure, I won't leave my, sure, I'll do this, sure, I'll do that. Because it takes that critical thinking to go, wait a second, I'm going to have to dive in that much deeper in order to discern what the heck is going on. There's so much information, and that's why we're here. And it, it's, it's really easy to just, to just sit back and go, someone else will figure it out. Mark, I, yeah. Mark, I want to, uh, this will help uh, a little bit. I got a call today, uh, this morning, from uh, an elected official who will remain anonymous. And, and a friend mm -hmm. calling to see how I was doing. And I laid out the data that we used in the court case before the judge. And I swore to, you know, tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God on, on with, that's perjury if you lie. Mm -hmm. And I stated the county statistics of all of the deaths in Ventura County. Mm-hmm. Now we're up to 102, maybe more. I don't know what was reported today. Yeah. But, but of all the deaths, only two of the 102 uh, died from COVID. The rest died with. Right. I shared that with the elected official. And I said, you better get on the right side of this because the narrative's going to change and people are going to start getting upset. I said, I don't need you to defend me. I don't need you to, but, but you've been elected to do this. It's, and and their, yeah. their, their, their position was, we just, you know, yeah. you, you know, if you, I know that you, it's only two, but let's go back to the hundred. That's still one, Wait. one hundredth of one percent. And I've had these discussions and I keep on reading, repeating one, one hundredth of one percent. And it doesn't sink in. Right. We're not even, we're not even remotely close. Right. And yeah. you repeat it. It's like, ah, it doesn't matter, you know. We had an amazing guest, Ryanette Seenum on, and, and oh the thing that she said that was so captivating was when, when after whatever you want, a pandemic, a tragedy, whatever, the, that question that's asked to the officials is, what did you know? And when did, and you, when know? did you know it? Yeah. What did you, how much did you know? 
And at what point in time did you know that? Because because you will be held accountable for how much information you knew and and what you chose to disclose at what time. It's just yeah, like, it's, yeah. It's, so right. And so with like discernment, it takes work. And like yeah. Michael, you're saying all that. And if we discern, we we discover the truth. That's maybe just half of it. Yeah. Now we need to do something with it. Right. And yeah. and you know what? People can discover the truth, and and I think Rob, you've mentioned this before. But the fear of man, mm. it's like, huh? That's one possibility. It's like, I, but if I do that, or wow, this is might happen, or that might happen. So we have to have that that strength, that faith, the love enough to speak the truth and love to other people, to make a stand, to even lose, to take hits or whatever. But a lot of times, people discover the truth and go, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, yeah, and they kind of uh, trail off there, uh, but they don't you know, speak up or do something about it. And, you know, I, I want to have compassion for him. You know, it's hard to do, but it, yeah, you know, yes, there's going to be accountability, at least before God of whatever we decide about, whatever the truths there are. And there's people that are in cults and you explain it to them and they, they see it and they just go, oh, okay, but they're not going to leave for a variety of reasons. And it's, it's baffling. Yeah. Now um, you, you would, and I, I knew a little of this, but I had forgotten because it'd been a while since we've talked that, that the application of the book of Acts and this idea of everyone sold their possessions, laid them at the apostles' feet, and they gave to each one as had need. And it was, you know, and this is the passage that people use all the time for socialism being Christian. But, but your wife, and you've used this illustration, your wife actually grew up in one of those Christian communes. And, and, and she knows firsthand the failure of, of of the misapplication right. of that text. And it's funny, you know, how history repeats itself and, and there's a whole chapter in the book and there's that quote from Santiago, you were a history major and I don't know if I'll get it right, but uh, those who do not, uh, cannot remember, don't those remember Those who the forget past the past are, are destined to repeat, to repeat it. it. Yeah. 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 And by the way, in, in there, I talk about how, uh, um, what's his name? Jim Jones, the people's temple. There's a picture you can find on the internet. It's kind of hard to find, but anyways, there's a picture of him. There, well, I, there's a throne like chair. It's not a big one. And all these dead bodies with that quote above the, in Jonestown with the Santana quote, that's of all things he had quoted, that was it. But they repeated history because they didn't learn from it. And all 903 or so people died, including about a third kids, horrible thing. But yeah, so 50 years ago, especially in California, other places, a lot of hippie communes, but they were a lot of Christian ones. And I know Calvary Chapel kind of had some overlap with that, but uh, my wife was literally born into a hippie commune, born in a house a few miles from here. Um, and wonderful people, well-intended. There was a kind of a leader guy that I, I'll just leave that for, but they, all the men, my, my father-in-law, he went to work. My mother-in-law, she stayed and, you know, made food and taught the kids, whatever kind of you, that traditional thing. And they lived that way for a while. And then, but obviously the wheels came off at some point because, Hey, wait a minute. And they started, people started asking questions and they, but they had this blind loyalty. We trust the leader. We trust the leader. And my father-in-law at some point said, Hey, you know, started questioning things. And then he got pushed back. This is what always happens. The guy, the girl that starts asking questions is like this target goes on that person and they have to attack that person diminish them, destroy them, whatever it takes to keep the collective. By definition, the collective is all. You can't have one outlier. So if that person stands up, you have to do something with it. 
So eventually enough people spoke up and that's what needs to happen today. Enough people need to speak up and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Figure this out for yourself. Here's the truth. Here's the facts. I'll research it for yourself. I'll tell you whatever. But they need to decide that. But now you have a lot of people just hearing going, oh, well, I'm for that. I'm for social justice. I'm for this. And yeah, I see all these things. And so I'm going to vote Democrat. I'm going to vote for leftist politics rather than think for themselves. But that was going on 50 years ago. And But the people that are involved, with the exception of a handful of people, their lives, their marriages, their families, devastated. Yep. Devastated. Hmm. Their faith devastated. I, let, let's let's do this since we're coming to the top of the hour. Um, God's given you a wonderful gift, and and, a, and a, He's blessed you with this calling. You and Emily have been ministering to the folks in the San Joaquin Valley, and now God's opened up this opportunity via the internet with Skype and Zoom. If, if people want to connect with the biblical counseling that you provide, uh, how do they do that? Well, they can just go to our website and email me. And, um, you know, I get emails all the time and go back and forth and try to set things up with people and set up an appointment. And, and depending on the time zone, we have to figure that out. And I, I have a, you know, I have to look up what it is in Germany and sometimes <laughs> yeah. and whatnot, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so they're, they're at, you know, nine o'clock and I'm at, eight in the morning, nine in the morning, whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we can definitely work something out. Yeah. The, so um, Mark's website is hopeforlifeonline.com. And that link is in the description. Someone also asked, how do we, how do we get this book that, that you wrote? That uh, a link straight to uh, the Amazon store where you can purchase this book is in the description. Um, and then Mark's email is, is mark at hopeforlifeonline.com. So send him an email uh, and get plugged in. And, and what, oh, you were going to say something, Mark, and then I'll ask Go you. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to ask you, what kind of clients do you have? I mean, what, what are they dealing with? What do you counsel? And I know God's word well, speaks to all of it. I'm just telling them, I'm setting you up. Yeah, and, you know, obviously now even more, but a lot of anxiety and depression. Just, mm-hmm. and it's, it is hard on people being yep. cooped up and, not being, you know, you, you know, you think, oh, I want to go to the store and pick up. Or, hey, let's go to the, go, let's go out to eat. You know, no, 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 can't, no, can't. Yeah. And, and for the kids, you know, we have two in high school, two out of high school, but it's hard for them. And, oh, you're going to start. No, you're not. Oh, you're going to, no, you're not. Sport. No sports. Uh, mm. Youth group. No youth group. Oh, social distance, all of that kind of stuff. So it, it, it takes a toll. It's taking a toll on so many people. But, you know, usually anxiety, depression, and there's a lot and there's a lot that goes with that. But also, you know, addictions and that kind of marital things, uh, relationship things. But those are at the top of the list. And, you know, it's God, God's word, obviously. But we're able to help people move through those things relatively quickly, if I can say so. uh, It's, you know, when you connect the dots, these are not just a lot of times people think. And this may rub people the wrong way, but anxiety and depression are just things that are happening to me randomly, but rather than, and maybe occasionally, but there's a lot of things that we do, and I've had depression in my life, and I can connect the dots between this and that. There's things that we can look at and connect the dots, and then, oh, let's change whatever's causing this, rather than just trying to get rid of the unwanted feeling part. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the main things that I deal with a lot of people. And, you know, it's amazing. People are the same all over the world. They're struggling with all the same things. We're humans. God designed us. And God, it's amazing how God's word speaks to that. You know, people look at, well, look at prophecy and how it proves scripture. Amen. 
archaeology, all of these things. But we don't look at how the Bible speaks to these things. That proves it to me every day. If I wanted to try to be an atheist, I couldn't because I've seen so for 20 some odd years, people, lives change, overcome these things, not through me, not through some theory, but through scripture, God's written word. That's awesome. And uh, I was talking to Pastor Tony uh, today, who who does most of our biblical counseling. And he's, you know, he's he's got his hands full and and Pastor Craig does some. And and there's there's folks that just need encouragement. Um, And there are folks that are kind of ongoing because they're in difficult situations and walking them through that. And and he was just, he was blessed to know that you're available in those times where this is a little out of our wheelhouse and, and so grateful for your ministry. And that's why as a church, we, we want to support and be a blessing to your ministry. And I would just say to anyone out there, you, take advantage of the opportunity to connect with uh, Mark's ministry, but don't take advantage of Amen. Mark's ministry. Yeah. Uh, let, you know, be, be a blessing. Yeah. Uh, you don't muzzle the ox while he no. treads the grain. And you don't look like an ox, but still. <laughs> and, and, and don't forget uh, Hope Inc. H-O-P-E-I-N-K dot com too is where you guys can go to directly support um, uh, Mark's family and in yeah. this endeavor. Yeah. 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 Would, would, would you come back on uh, again? Because uh, folks are, we're already seeing the response and people will have some questions. We're at the top of the hour, but if you come on and maybe field questions from... Some Absolutely. of the folks tuning in, they would love that. Yeah. Is that something you'd be interested in? Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I love responding directly to questions and specific questions. And, and sometimes people say, well, what do you do on a Tuesday when at three o'clock and this happens? Right. Maybe too complicated, but right. yeah, some, some specific things that are, you know, detailed and whatnot. Yes, we can, I'd love to answer those. And especially, you know, people have obviously have a lot of problems about our questions about anxiety and depression, and that's a very sensitive area, but there's some things if we can break through, then it can free people up. But yeah, absolutely. As well as, you know, the Bible, socialism, all of those things. Yeah, Love yeah. To. that'd be great. That'd be great. All right. Well, cool. Well, uh, we, we, we typically close the night in prayer. Uh, if you want to pray for us, and then uh, the, the last thing we do is we read out of number six, the blessing. But love it if you'd pray for everyone tonight. Absolutely. All right. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for all that you've given us. We thank you for your love and your, your, your compassion and the gifts that you give us, including discernment and truth and your Holy Spirit and the gospel and ultimately everything we need for life and godliness comes through you and through your word. And I pray, Lord, for people to have a hunger, a passion for your word, to have that zeal but with knowledge, they have that zeal with discernment, have the zeal for you and your word, your gospel to spread the gospel, the true gospel of salvation from our sins, from hell, to be reconciled with you through grace and truth, not through theories or the social gospel or other feel good false gospels, but for the pure word of God. And I thank you for the power that comes with you and your word, and I pray that people would have a heart for Scripture, that they would truly believe that God's word applies to their life, not just on Sunday, but every day. And I thank you for this church and other churches and other ministries and individuals who are standing up that have that heart for you, for the lost, for the saved, for everybody. And 
We pray for this nation that is truly under siege by deception, by many different falsehoods that are prevailing in many ways in many hearts. And we pray that those would be exposed by the power of your Holy Spirit to shine the light on these and that people would come to their senses and walk away and walk into the light in a relationship with you. We thank you for this sweet time, this hour of Mm. talking about you and your blessings. And I pray it would bless many other people. Yes, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, let me... uh, You'll, you'll hear us, but they're, they're going to put the, the scripture up on the screen, so you'll be able to hear us, but they're going to blank us out, and I'll, I'll read it to everybody. Number six, uh, I'll read it to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Well, Mark, thanks, brother. Thanks for joining us. We'll have you back on Thank the show. You. And, uh, dude, you, you don't get older. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can tell you how old I am, how, how old I feel. But, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I know, I know I, you know that. I know how old you are, but you, you don't look it. Yeah. Well, God bless you. Say hello to Emily, and, and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch, okay? All right. Thank you so much. You have right. a wonderful evening, you guys. Good night, Thanks. buddy. Thanks. All right. So awesome. Cool dude, huh? So great. Yeah. Awesome. He, 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 he was... He's been instrumental in my life in so many ways. And uh, we lost connection after he moved to Fresno and I was in San Jose and I came here. Um, but to, to see that the Lord has brought us uh, together again, he's going to be a great asset to the body yeah. of Christ. And just like Bob McEwen, the most underutilized historian in America, I yeah. feel that way about Mark. He's the most underutilized biblical counselor. So take advantage of it. And I would, yeah. say, I would say to quote unquote Christian counselors who are in that world, mm-hmm not biblical counselors, but Christian counselors who are pouring themselves out and then having their own struggles and wondering where they're to go to. Mark would be a great asset. Yeah. I would say pastors out there. Mark yeah. is a great gift. He's been that to me and he will be to you. Yeah. But don't take advantage of him. Right. But take it's advantage of his gift, but don't take advantage yeah. of him. Right. It's a ministry that yeah. he's doing. Yeah. Christians uh, are generous. Yeah. So, uh, before before we go, I just want to give you guys a little a little teaser for what's happening later on this week. We have um, awesome awesome on. Fr- I don't know what's happening tomorrow night. We'll figure that out. But that's at eight, remember eight p.m. tomorrow night. But Friday night we have frontline doctor James Todaro. Um, Huge. It's going to be so cool. I'm going to give you guys a little a little teaser. Um, he's he he just recently he tw- t- tweeted. Are we just going to ignore the fact that Sweden never issued stay at home orders, kept schools open, didn't close businesses? And the general public does not wear masks, and the entire country is down to less than one death per day from COVID-19. And and this guy is just fervently chasing truth in this season. He graduated from college at 14 years of age. Brilliant. He's, he's in his 30s, brilliant. and he's he's like a Doogie Hauser. Yep. He yeah. is unbelievably brilliant, yeah. and we got him on the show. Yep. I'm, yeah. I'm stunned. I, I didn't night. get him. Somebody just suggested him, and he came. Yep. yep. It's yep. be cool. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for doing that, folks. I mean, many people give suggestions of who they want on the show, uh, and I do my best to follow up. But the folks who say, hey, I can get this person on the show, I'm yeah. like, yeah, anytime, send me that yeah. text. I love yeah, that. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah? Yep. Good? Yep. Awesome. All right, well, that's it. Tomorrow night we start at 8. At 8. Yeah. That way you can watch the convention, and we'll be on at 8. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. God bless y'all. See you tomorrow night at 8. See you. <laughs>